From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 584, collaboration using Teams and Skype for Business with guest Tom Arbernot. Recorded Monday, April 23rd, 2018. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio, bringing back my universal communications guy, Tom Arbonat, who is a principal solutions architect for modality systems focused on Microsoft Teams and Skype for Business. He's also a Microsoft Certified Master and MVP, blogger, and speaker at many international events such as UC Expo and Microsoft Ignite. Welcome back, sir. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Glad to be on. It's, it's been too long. Yeah. I've, you know, it's funny. We were just looking back at all those past shows. It's a different product every time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, have to, we have to do them more often to keep up. So it yeah. was it was Link originally when we were talking. Back in the day, yeah. Then we went through Skype for Business and Cloud PBX. And uh, you'll notice from my bio now, it's uh, Microsoft Teams and Skype for Business. So, yeah. And I wonder if that's even an interim step. If next year we're going to talk and it's just going to be Teams. Because it seems like they're all in for Teams these days. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. Certainly, that's where all the Microsoft focus is and where all the innovation is. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot going on in that space. And interesting at the moment because, you know, the Microsoft kind of push is always a little bit ahead of the market. So, some of our customers are fully into Teams. Some of them are just touching the edges. So, it's uh, interesting times. Yeah, no kidding. In you know, everybody talks about Teams in the context of Slack, which I think is inaccurate and unfair, but you know, sort of is what it is. It's a more generalized product than that. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to give homage to Slack for kind of being the first popular platform to popularize kind of group-based chat collab. So you know, Slack was the the kind of wonder child of everybody doing chats and talking in real time, which is really only a, a nice evolution of, you know, I'm sure you and I were both on IRC back in the day. Oh, yeah. I, I used to host an IRC server back when with Strangeloop, which was a startup a few years ago that we've sold. That, you know, we liked our devs working remotely. They were more efficient. Yeah. And so, it made total sense to, you needed to have a, a digital water cooler. Plus, I also liked IRC for the logging, that executing a deployment where you had a detailed log and you actually see the failures in real time and then see the recovery from them. Like it was hugely valuable as just a way. And then when you look at Slack, you're like, this is Slack secret sauce. Is that being able to go back over those conversations and understand what the decisions that were made and how they were made. Yeah, that's it. Your your conversation history, but also all your, your interop and your third party applications. And and it brought it, you know, ILC was definitely at the techie end of the scale. Slack sure. brought it a little bit more towards the center and and the enterprise players, you know, to be fair, Cisco were hot on this. They had sure. a product called Spark. They've just renamed WebEx Teams. Uh, feels like a bit in homage to Microsoft. <laughs> but, you, you know, they had a, a group-based chat product. Obviously, in the Skype world, we had Persistent Chat, which was a an add-on to Skype for Business. Right. But Teams, Teams brings that to the center. But I think, as you rightly say, Teams is so much more because, yes, Teams is chat and chat channels, but it brings the whole power of Office 365 to the bear. So you've got 
SharePoint and OneDrive for your files. You've got all the integrations with all the Office 365 stacks, so Planner and OneNote and then Power BI and anything else you want, but also that third-party goodness. So, you know, you prefer Trello, you bring in Trello. You have your line of business apps, you can have those in tabs too. And so, yeah, interesting times. Yeah, no, no question. And the funny part is, I mean, how many years have we been talking about groups of people inside of an organization being able to collaborate effectively? And it's only now that I'm starting to feel like it's coming true. Like in the past couple of years, you're finally seeing tools, you're seeing evidence of routine collaboration. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a culture shift. I think that's some ways the technology's caught up, but also the culture is starting to right. catch up. So, And maybe I should qualify that remote collaboration. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully people have been collaborating in rooms for some time. For a long time, we collaborated around the campfire. But in business, we've been collaborating in meeting rooms. And my problem with both of those has been it's been relatively hard to document. You always get a summary notes or you, know, you don't actually understand, unless you were in the room, the real dynamic, like what was the breakthrough, what really happened. Yeah. And, and that's an analogy I've heard for, for teams kind of thinking about it is like the open plan office and the teams being war rooms and you know, if you're going you're going way back, you had a special project, you set up a, a dedicated room, you put your label on the outside of the room, special project, and, and over time you kept your documents there and that's where you just met. You know you were doing your meeting there. Right. And and Teams is your virtual equivalent. So all your files are in the same place for that project team, all the meeting notes, all the meeting recordings, the Power BI that has all your stats is in there, your Excel, whatever you're using, mm-hmm. but in a very accessible, searchable and a critically secure way, all being you know, AD Auth and Office 365. Yeah, exactly right. And being able to have that effect, that war room effect, but we're not all in the same room and still being able to communicate effectively, document effectively. I would argue a document better because you're forced to communicate through a narrow pipe. You can keep a better record. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's because the documents are living on OneDrive and SharePoint. So OneDrive, if it's a personal sharing between you and I on right. chat and, and SharePoint, if it's a team based, you've got all the good version control, all the knowing who edited what, but more importantly, just the collab. Like I love, I mean, I'm a big fan of working out loud and that definitely is a cultural thing, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in our company, you know, we've seen it. We're about 150 people now, people coming from other big enterprises and they're not super comfortable with like, here's what I've done so far. Here's my draft deck. What do you think? But culturally and modality, that's exactly how you were. Like, here's what I've got so far. Criticize it, improve it, tear it apart, like all for the greater good. Yeah. When you get into that mindset, teams just shines because everybody's prepared to share a little bit, prepared to help each other a little bit and everything just moves a bit faster. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated, depending on the organization, how much off teams or off Slack conversation goes on that is ultimately, you know, how staged are the conversations in these recording systems? Yeah, the bigger the bigger the enterprise, generally the kind of, you know, this is not 100% true, but, you know, broadly the kind of politics goes up and they're making sure I'm being supported in my decisions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but interestingly, we're seeing, you know, I'm working with very a very big financial where they've embraced the concept of kind of agile and, and dynamic teams and everything in a big way. And their whole, this isn't just lip service to that, their whole you know, ethos now is very much about virtual teams and agile and, and setting goals and going for them. So even big orgs, though, they're starting to make that turn to being respecting that being working in that way makes them more competitive in the market. Yeah. And a part of that, I wonder if those tools, because they looked like social media at first, 
sort of broke people's walls down. They forgot they were at work and that you, you sort of had got a more honest interaction, at least for a while. Like there's an interesting psychology to how that information is presented that makes it seem more colloquial and less formal. Yeah, I was definitely surprised by that. In our in our place, you know, we've had Skype since day one because that's what we do. Sure, we've had Yammer floating around, which gets a, there are there are people who love Yammer, but I look yeah. at the stats; it's hit about thirty percent of our org who use it heavily, and then it drops off a cliff. So it's kind of it's, some people <laughs> have got it, and some people haven't. Right, it's never been the de facto. Teams picked up really quickly, and one of the things that you know you saw flying around for ages was all the the gifies and emojis and stuff like that. Which, which some some enterprises react to very negatively. Like yeah. That. But for us, I mean, that adds a little bit of fun to the day and everybody's, you know, kind of a little bit more engaged. I don't see the harm necessarily. This is a conversation I had with a CIO just the other day that we were actually talking about the emoji and the Giphy as the modernization of communication. Like, this is the next step in language. Now that you can communicate digitally, you can have that visual element. Why wouldn't you do it? It's say, you know, adding the the colon closing parentheses, the smiley face to an end of an email sets a tone. Like these are emotional and social cues that are different from original written language. Why would we suppress that in our professional communications? Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. And I think like, you know, it's become more culturally acceptable thanks to kind of iOS and Android and having yeah. those on the keyboard. Like, Quite often, you end a text with a you know a thumbs up and a thank you icon or a smiley face or whatever it may be. When Webster's Dictionary gives up on the difference between figuratively and literally, <laughs> okay, like if that's acceptable, all, be- all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just sort of acknowledging this is where the language is going. Yeah. So why in an organization trying to mature a culture of effective communication, if this is how people effectively communicate, go with it. Yeah, and you have to respect that. You know, we're trying to being all around the table is is still i you know ideal. All things being even, being all around the table is ideal, but it's just not practical no. in twenty eighteen. It's too slow. It's too costly. Yeah, and you're going to go where the talent is around the world, and you've got a global team. So, I mean, one of the products I work on is our diagnostics reporting product, which does all your kind of quality and user adoption for Skype. Dev team are in the UK, but delivery teams all around the world. You know, I'm quite often traveling and, and Teams has just completely kind of revolutionized the way we communicate now. We have a, a team for the product group, dev chat channel, you know, kind of sales and marketing channel, but, you know, ideas flow into there. All the VSTS, this backlog is surfaced as tabs in there. So we really do live in there. And for me, traveling and doing shows and bits and pieces, the mobile client is just brilliant because I can drop in, yep. check everything's okay, answer the questions and drop out again. And it keeps them going, keeps everybody flowing. So it's it's really nice. Yeah, I know. And there's a again a clear record that you did. They don't have to jump on a call and they have to memorize or write down what you said. Like they in some ways that communication path is more effective, cleaner. And I guess that lines us up to kind of some of the new what Microsoft are calling intelligent communications. Right. Because this is where it's going and it's you know, it's still early days for this stuff, but you can see with Microsoft's kind of AI and, and Azure power and compute and stuff, certainly what's here today is recording the meeting cloud side. So you can now record the meeting. It's recorded on the cloud. So whereas Skype for Business is recorded on the local clients, that recording automatically goes up into Microsoft Stream. It's automatically permissioned for everybody who is in the meeting. So they just get a link saying, here it is. It turns up in your chat. But it's also going through and doing text, uh, speech to text and transcription. 
So you can have the captions, but you can also translate those captions into other languages. And, and that's just the beginning of using the cloud technology to kind of help, you know, aid the meeting, be it, you know, bots taking notes, bots helping you out, or just, you know, recordings into different languages and translation and saving the meetings and stuff. It all just makes things a little bit smoother, a little bit slicker. Well, and I hope they get to this point. This is something I've been working on with a startup that's actually more focused on podcasts, because I obviously have an interest in that. <laughs> and an area you might have an interest in, right? A little bit, you know, here and there. But just this idea that that voice recordings and, and specifically spoken word are largely opaque in the broader internet or in the intranet of a corporation that I don't want to face a 60-minute recording of a meeting yeah yeah you just want to search for where you got mentioned and find out what they said yeah what i want is a and i don't even really want to read the transcript what i want is something indexable Mm. right the idea that i can search on a term like you know microsoft teams from this meeting and have it drop in and say hey at 15 minutes and 31 seconds this person said microsoft teams okay well play me a minute before that, and it just picks up there. Yeah, and that, that, that's very real today. You know, stream, it, it can take all the meetings, it can transcribe, then the transcript is there, it's, it's indexable. So that's certainly not yeah. far away technology. I think we're getting to that point. My, my problem is, again, oddly enough, being involved with podcasts as long as I have, transcripts are hard. Even digital or you know, machine learning transcripts, the one thing they consistently get wrong, whether it's a human or machine, are proper nouns. Yeah, I think, and it's it's definitely you know even in today, it's far from perfect. Sure, it's good enough to get you to the right spot, and obviously the the beauty is it gets better over time. So the more people start using this, the more sample size there is, and the, the better it will get. Yeah, it's going to be a problem that's solved. It's just a question of what the timeline is, really. Yeah, it's really just a timeline. So this, and I'll include a link on the show notes to Intelligent Communications in Office three sixty five. This is the new thing. This is the the combination of Teams and Skype for Business. Yeah, and it's 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 really kind of the evolution. So Skype for Business, you know, when we started that, and, and still today, lots of businesses still run on IP PBXs. So right, analog's pretty much gone now, but they have their phone and they do their phone calls, and then they'll have some kind of web conferencing product, and then maybe they have an instant messaging product. Maybe they don't even have instant messaging, which. I can't get my head around in 2018. Seems bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's still out there. And that encourages the horrible, horrible habit of people using email like instant messaging, which is just a cultural nightmare. And I I swear I use Skype more for the messaging than the calling. Yeah. I'm sure of that. I'm sure that's absolutely true. Yeah. You try try and solve it on chat. And if if you need to, then you escalate to a call. But quite often, the question and the answer is just there. And I appreciate that you say escalation. Again, when we think about modern communications, the metrics are you know, interruption driven versus non-interrupting and, you know, sort of stages of communication they, that it's low cost and easier to communicate via text. And then if it isn't working, like just knowing, I, I look at this with email as well, knowing when to change the medium. For me, if your response to my email is longer than my original email, it isn't working. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We kind of use a rule of like five internally. If it gets right. to five replies, it's going to be a conference. Cause like- yeah, change the medium. And I don't care which way you change it. Is it a call? Is it a meeting or whatever it is? But it's like, that's not working. I wrote you yeah. one paragraph. You responded with three. <laughs> I replied to you with 12. Like we're, we're going downhill. 
Yeah. No, definitely. So, it's like, so that's where Skype for Business was. And still, you know, to be fair, Skype for Business online is not necessarily going away yet. There's no end of life date. So that's still an option. Skype right. Business Server, there's a new version out at the end of the year. The broad focus there is there's going to be no massive new features there. You know, this is keeping the thing running. This is issuing new versions, updating for security and, right. and manageability. But there is really no solid direct competitor to that in the market that's doing an on-premises UC solution. So that's that's your on-premises option. That's going to stay put. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's unified communications. We brought together instant messaging, phone voice, you know, VoIP, federation, meetings, video, all in one product. Huge value there, especially if you're coming from a legacy of different products. Absolutely. And Tom, before we go on, let me just take a moment for this very important message. You're empowering your whole business and making them more productive with teams. But how are you empowering your IT department to be everywhere at once? If you've got hundreds or thousands of desktops to manage, then what's the best way to manage your Windows clients? With group policy and mobile device management, of course, but only with the added superpowers of Policy Pack. Configure and lock down settings for browsers in Java, elevate standard user rights when needed, and manage the heck out of Windows 10 file associations in the Start menu. If you haven't looked at Policy Pack and you have more than 20 domain joined or non domain joined machines, then you're missing out. Check out Policy Pack at policypack.com for real world problem solving demos, plus a way for you to try it out yourself. Policy Pack software, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell here for Run As Radio, talking to Tom Arbuthnot. And I think you, you said that very well before the break. It's like... Perfect timing to yes. step in the ad there, you know, like teaser ad. You got the timing down. I got to keep the people fed, right? <laughs> Those mugs don't pay for themselves, my friend. Yeah, if I want another one on the shelf. But what I hear you saying is if you're looking at a new unified communication strategy for your organization today, you are not putting a server on premises. Like that is just a no-no. No, I mean, there's, you know, it's it's hard to say 100% and I'm a consultant, so it's always it depends. Yes, but yes. Unless you're running on a submarine and you can't access the internet or today, if you need things like a server-side recording for compliance, so every call, every message, every video, those things are still on-premises today. They're not in the cloud yet. Right. But apart from those kind of corner cases, certainly for scalability, for quality, for performance, and, and more importantly, for features and innovation you're looking towards the cloud now and and to kind of put some some meat on those bones that's things like microsoft teams has web browser join without a plugin you know that's something you don't get in skype for business right microsoft teams has cloud side recording you obviously can't do that in skype for business and and those are just the beginning of features that are coming along so the new ip phones for microsoft teams are going to have cortana built in so you can pick them up and say you know i want to have a conference with richard and tony and it'll intelligently know who are those most two likely people, bring them into a conference. That's where we're bringing the cloud into nice. this that you just couldn't do on a server. Well, and I would argue that even in the submarine scenario, the better solution is Office 365 on Azure Stack. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. Isn't so it? pure conjecture, but I always thought that's the way the on-premises products would end up going. Is sure. like you've got Azure Stack, it makes sense, and then that gives Microsoft a single development kind of platform. It, it's also true for me as an IT guy too, right? To know that the same consoles, the same tooling, the same methodology works, whether it's the on-prem Azure Stack or it's the government cloud or the public cloud, whatever cloud flavor you're using out there. 
that because in the end, it's different tooling is what's killing me, right? It's like having to change gears depending on where we are. It costs too much. It's and it's not the cost of the product. It's the cost and the training, the maintenance and the skill set. Yeah, I mean, the challenge is, and I think it might well go that way. Is even if you go that way, you think about things like we talked about transcription. You're not going to have that ever learning engine on the submarine so you'll probably get some of the features right but some of the stuff is still just going to require that live connectivity to the cloud same thing with the cortana stuff like can microsoft really build that offline and technically it's feasible if you throw enough money at it but practically probably not yeah no and, and i would also see you know even the, these offline scenarios that we've been talking about and funny, it's always been stuff in the ocean. Like we've talked about this for cruise ships. I've been, as part of Humanitarian Toolbox, talking about it in the context of hospital ships coming onto disaster sites, but also the submarine scenario, which is now, as much as it was a, a funny line, like it's kind of a real thing. Azure Stack is not enormous. This will fit in a closet. Yeah. But you are always going to sink at some point. The idea is to be up during the times when you can't sink. Yeah, and, and that's a slightly technical different scenario, isn't it? So there's genuine security reasons I can never connect to the internet, and then there's I am temporarily unable yeah. to, like the cruise ship or the sub. And so Microsoft has announced Office 365 and Azure Stack for the government editions. I don't know that it's going to be widely available, but it seems inevitable that eventually there will simply be you want this, you can have it. And because there, there is that advantage. But part of me always feels like this is a play for those that want the option. It's a checklist item. It's not that I want to run on-prem. It's that I need to be able to tell my boss we could run on-prem. Yeah. And I think it's not Microsoft's first foot forward. I think it will always be if the market demands it, we'll, we'll fill the gap. Sure. You can clearly see that their first foot forward is, is a true belief in this you know, cloud scale, cloud security. Yeah. And I think security is really the big one that's winning people around, which is ironic because a few years ago, that would be the concern. Whereas now you look at all the things that are happening in, in, in the world and you look at AI and multi-factor and some of the clever stuff. I mean, a few weeks ago, I was doing some work remotely for one of our German customers and you know, Office 365 pinged me an email saying, this looks suspicious, is this you? Because I joined an Office 365 thing from the remote machine. So it's right. one minute I was in the UK, next minute I was in Germany. And I was so pleased to see that kind yeah. of stuff. Like that intelligence is just great. It is possible to be delighted by security. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, and I think that's amazing. Like for, for us in this profession, where most of the time security is just the harbinger of sadness, to have that moment where you're like, wow, they noticed and asked me. Like that's a good thing. Yeah. And, and things like, you know, being extra prompts for multi-factor. Like, I'm surprised I'm such an advocate for multi-factor but you know on ios or on android it's fairly slick now you get your push notification you hit your button it's not too disruptive right and and you look at the security landscape it's just such a worthwhile little extra bit of effort for the risk yeah and it's a confidence builder really that you have this certainty that it's thinking about the right things that it sees you doing that many many years ago built a system for schools for truancy and so what it would do is if the kid was marked absent it would phone home uh, it would phone the home of the student to say you know your student missed one or more classes today yeah and we spent more money writing code to build exceptions so that if a parent phoned in and said hey little johnny's going to be at the dentist today they could flag it so the call wouldn't go through and it virtually never got used in fact, the parents wanted the call. 
because it let, let them know the system worked. And in fact, if you didn't make the call because the student was off at the dentist, they'd get upset and call you. Why didn't you phone? I thought you were tracking this. Yeah. So it sort of speaks to the reality of people want to know that the system is functioning, that it's aware that you're doing something unusual. Yeah, it definitely does build your confidence. You're like, well, if it caught that, I'm sure it's catching other things. Sure, without a doubt. So, but S4B is also an Office 365 product. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's going to continue to do the thing it's going to. No, you know, lots of people have moved to it. Like, it's it's definitely this because with the Microsoft Teams news, obviously, a lot of people interpreted that as Skype Business Online is dead. Like, clearly, Microsoft's focus is on Teams. Clearly, the new development is going into Teams. And, and all things being even, that's where I'd be looking as a business. Like, mm-hmm. you, you want to be rowing in the same direction as Microsoft, not away from them. That's generally a good thing to be doing. But if you moved on to Skype Business Online, you know, last week and it's doing everything you wanted it to do last week, it's still doing everything you want it to do today. It's when you start to see some of the whiz bang stuff in teams like the cloud recording, like the, you know, the new IP phones with Cortana, that's when you're starting to think, well, maybe that's our, you know, future direction on some kind of timeline. Yeah. And and yeah, obviously it's like you you want to go there and if you get a chance to start from scratch, start with that. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's not it's not a case of big bang either. There is Microsoft have talked about these five modes of interop. So you can have Skype business and Teams running side by side, and you can use one or the other or both. You can set them up so they can interoperate. So you can direct chat between the two of them, and you can do peer-to-peer audio and video between the two of them. And, and you can choose to nominate a user to be dedicated to purely Teams or dedicated to purely Skype for business. And that can be different users in the same environment. So sure. I wouldn't say that's, you know, ideally you want to move towards one platform again on a timeline, but let's be realistic. You know, some of our customers are 60,000, 70,000, a couple of hundred thousand sure. with the best will in the world. Just replacing handsets for that. Yeah, exactly. With the best will in the world, that's a multi-year migration. Like sure. even if everybody wants to do it, which, you know, in, a, in that size of all, it takes a while. There's, you know, sunk costs to be accounted for and all that good yeah. stuff. And that's millions of pounds or euros or dollars like at that scale it's a big deal yeah exactly yeah. And, and just a training thing as well you know as much as we'd like to think this stuff is you know like easy to use and technologies tend to over index on that this is a big going back full circle to start of our conversation a big cultural change of sure what so i just talk to my boss out loud in a chat room that all my other team are in the chat room and <laughs> i flick my draft proposal into that room too and like my boss's boss can see it before my boss sees it. Like that's earth shattering for some people. Well, I also think that happens often because people aren't thinking about it. That there may be a proper cultural flow around that that you actually need to think about. I think it's a real struggle on the, no, I wouldn't I want say social rules, but almost the HR rules of what are the paths of communication? What should it look like? And often with the tooling, because you're just not thinking through this, that, that it actually affects that flow. Yeah, and, and and that's it, and it's that's a good point. Should it affect that flow? And you know, is that always positive? And and, and how do you train that stuff in as well? If you're in an all company Teams room, mm-hmm. maybe it's not appropriate to say certain things. Just like you wouldn't run into the office and shout it out loud. So yes, there, there's definitely cultural change to be considered. Yeah, I think you do need an awareness of you know what's appropriate to yell out, but. Yeah, no different than walking into any other room. If it's just you and your buddy, that's one thing. It's an, and it's another thing if it's you, your buddy, your buddy's boss, the VP, right? Uh, and that reminds me, like, you know, instant messaging, we always used to get that. We used to get, what, we're going to deploy instant messaging to everybody in the organization. 
but what if someone IMs the CEO something inappropriate? I'm like, well, what if they phone them or email yeah. them something inappropriate? Why is this different? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like they still know who it is. They'd still be, yeah, that would be a career limiting choice, yeah. whichever medium they use. I'm just giving them another option. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's just another tool. And it's part of the social contract, a part of your etiquette that before you speak, you look, that you do look at the room that you're in and, and look at the device you're in. Don't presume they're all the same. That's just a skill that needs to be acquired. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think it, this always the problem is treating this new tool like it's different from the old tool, really. You know, same rules apply. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, it's interesting in, in enterprise we're seeing it. People are becoming more understanding of that group chat concept. So, actually, when I, you know, go and talk to people and you know, we do this user adoption training and all sorts of things like that, it's usually instantly compared to either WhatsApp or kind of Apple chat, having multiple people in the same, you know, SMS type chat. So people are familiar with the concept already, mostly. Right. Yeah. And I think people are getting more savvy, but it is a part of the process without a doubt to, to just make sure people are understanding the rules that they're inboard, especially when you're talking about folks that have never used an instant messaging product in their personal lives. Yes, that that's the biggest that's the biggest leap, definitely. If if you're a more traditional worker, you've lived on email and you weekly scheduled a conference call, jumping into the kind of newer world of multiple threaded chats happening concurrently and any anybody being able to chip in is, is a change. Yeah. But you know, competitiveness around the world is changing and people need to move faster and there's a lot of good business and commercial reasons why that's the way things you know should go for competitiveness. And, and that might be uneasy for some people. And equally, I'd, I'd be happy to hear the argument that that's not appropriate for every culture. And actually sticking to email and phone is right for you guys too. There's no, you know, there's no one way to do things, but certainly I'm a big advocate of this approach. Do you think the business handset is obsolete now? Interesting question. So, mm. so Enterprise Connect just passed. We had a, the announcement of a whole bunch of new Microsoft Teams handsets. I say these got these Cortana built in. So, mm-hmm. for a long time, Microsoft were advocating, you know, handsets are over and it's all headsets. But yet, new certified supported handsets. So, I certainly don't use one. I see lots and lots of companies where it's, it's USB headset first or decked or Bluetooth. But there's still a place for them. And or your smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, Plantronics, a Microsoft certified partner, announced a Docker Ignite that is basically a Bluetooth dock wireless charger. So you drop your phone onto it. It automatically syncs up with Bluetooth. It automatically pops Teams. And that becomes your audio device. So it's a speakerphone and a headset. So that, for first-line workers, is definitely really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we still see it. You know, there's certain businesses where people just want to run in start their nine o'clock meeting on their IP phone, or it's a, a PA who has multiple jobs and picking up the phone is easier than wearing a headset all day. Or, or frankly, in some businesses, it's still just a status thing. Like I have an office, I expect to have a phone. And right. who are we to say that's wrong? Like yeah. if you want a phone, have a phone. <laughs> well, and plus the phones look really cool these days. Like they're they're very pretty. They've got big screens on them. Yeah, I have to say Cortana might bring me back a phone on my desktop just sure. for the play thing and the demo thing. That That's pretty. And I have been a, a Plantronics headset person for 20 plus years. And for me, it's the Uh, wireless headset part. It's my ability to pace around the room and talk is so important and go make a cup of tea. So keep me honest here, Richard. If I remember correctly, when we recorded our first show way back in 2012, I'm pretty sure you said the best thing to do is to be on a proper hand phone and a proper landline. 
Now, I'm a big fan of the landline, but that's mostly because yeah. I make podcasts and still have a Telos One Plus One, which, to <laughs> be honest, I have not turned on in the past year. Yeah. So, the analog line is pre- finally obsolete for me. I now run separate isolated micro PCs for different Skype instances and then bring each of those in as an isolated recording. So that oh, each, nice. each person's voice is by itself. But I have a split multi-screen and keyboard mouse mapping so I can control all those machines. I mean, that's how I do it today. Yeah. But I've been an advocate of the top-of-the-line Plantronics headsets, not for recording, but just for communicating. Because I find, A, I want to be able to move around. B, sometimes I'm on Skype. Sometimes I'm on a regular phone. Sometimes I'm on my cell phone. And I want to sound great on all of them. And having one headset that works across them all makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's interesting talking about the handset. So Plantronics have, uh, I think it's yet to go through, but have made an offer to buy Polycom. So right. Polycom are a huge handset maker. Yeah, yeah. So clearly Plantronics, who you know are probably you know one of the number one brands in headsets, yep. appreciate there's a use case for IP phones still because they wouldn't make that kind of offer. Well, and I would argue Polycom, the number one maker of conference call gear, right? Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they've got the little module in the middle of the table, some with microphone extensions. Like, they've always built, priced accordingly, a premium product for that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely the most popular product. So, now you've got one vendor that can cover all your headset and handset needs and kind of bring together that Microsoft ecosystem story. So, that's definitely interesting. For- yeah, makes you wonder if the price is going to go up. But that would be the cynical part of me jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you get what you pay for. With headsets and handsets, that definitely sometimes is yeah. true. For me, it's always been, what is something you use every day? Anything that falls on the 80% side of the 80-20 rule, buy the good one. Yeah, yeah. So, laptops there. I just, I just got a couple of months ago. The Novo X1 from, sure. from work, and I, I love the thing. Beautiful machine, like not the cheapest laptop, but God, yeah. it's worth investing in. You're gonna you're gonna get the mileage out of it, but it's I think it's the more subtle things. It's keyboards, mice, headsets, your Wi-Fi nodes, like those things that you use every day. Mm. Don't buy the cheap one if you're gonna rely on it all the time. Buy the better one because you're gonna get the value from it. It makes a difference to get a quality product there. Yeah, that's definitely true, especially uh, headsets and, and audio devices. That yep. comes true and true. It's very cheap to produce a cheap speakerphone, and it, and everybody knows you use, you're using it. Uh, yeah, so. you hear every keyboard, you hear every uh, every bump of the desk. Yeah, like, no cancellation. So yeah, uh, and that, that's something that again, kind of from a Skype perspective, we take a lot of pain on. Is yeah. people save a lot of money going away from Cisco or Avaya to Skype for business, and then they get a bit over enthusiastic on saving money and buy a bunch of you know kind of. Tesco or Walmart headsets, and, and then they complain about the experience. And we're like, well, you know, you saved a, a million dollars on this project. Maybe you should have saved 700 and not a million and bought some decent headsets. Yeah, I get a little bit better of a headset. Now, I totally appreciate that. Well, Tom, thank you so much for this. It's really interesting to see where this whole product stack is going. And, and I, I'm not going to say you, you blindsided me here because I was pretty sure this is the sort of stuff we were looking at moving towards teams being sort of the dominant product of the space, but it's being successful. People are pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely getting traction. And uh, as, as we said, just on the pre-ramble, we'll have to try and keep a bit of a better cadence on these podcasts because there's a lot happening this year around teams. So I suspect by the end of the year, it'll be uh, a lot more to talk about again. For sure. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the show. Great. I appreciate it, Richard. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.